Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Where the Dark Corners Are. hostess tonight we have a ladies and gentlemen it's time for another episode of serial killers serial killers serial killers serial killers with sierra yeah Hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Well, just trying to figure out what this rocking is over here. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know how long it's been. Usually there's gaps in times between the times we see each other. That is true. But it wasn't as big of a gap this that's time. That's going to say. I don't think it was that bad this time. No, I, I was better. Better, yes. <laughs> and she even responded in not necessarily the most timely manner, but in a better timely manner. Yes. So we'll give her that because that's fair. Yay. Better. <laughs> so tonight, this week, actually, we're going to kind of flip-flop. Normally, I do a paranormal itinerary and then the killer, mm-hmm. but t- this week has just been really fucking rough so. i feel that i'm so glad tomorrow is technically friday because i'm over it correct <laughs> that's like the only thing that's good going on this week is right. friday the holiday oh, yes. so armatist day in yes. europe but veterans day in the united states correct. so okay uh, so for this t- next two weeks we're going to talk about seattle yes and so next week I'll come up with the uh, paranormal itinerary. Yeah. But tonight we're going to talk about a a serial killer. Yes, a Gary G. Grant. Okay. So Gary Jean Grant was born on June 29th, 1951 in Renton, Washington. So his name was GGG? GGG. Okay, he's like 666? Right. Okay. The number of the beast. He spent his childhood and adolescence in poverty. His parents worked in low-skilled labor, had financial difficulties, and lived in a trailer park on the outskirts of the city. His mother was an alcoholic, and he had to frequently watch his parents fight. As a teen, he was often mentally overstimulated and stressed out, losing all interest in education and avoiding school altogether when he could. He dropped out in the mid-1960s. 1960s? Yeah. Okay. He signed up for the army and was assigned to the navy, developing signs of mental illness along the oh, way. Oh, okay. This is a good idea. Oh, yeah. He refused further service, citing health reasons, and was dismissed a few months later and then returned to Renton. On the evening of December 15, 1969, Grant attacked 19-year-old Carol Adele Erickson, who was heading home from the library along a dirt road. He stabbed her with a knife and then dragged her into the nearby bushes where he then had sex with her corpse. Gross. Necrophiliac, yeah. yeah. That'll do it. 
physically abused the corpse, leaving lacerations on Erickson's neck. Because why not? Right. Like, he was just like... He already stabbed, raped her, murdered. Let's just tweak with the body a little bit. Well, necrophiliac, just so we're all very clear, is a deal breaker. Or, I mean, stabbing people. (laughs) Stabbing people. All of these things. (laughs) Gary. I was glad... I was glad you added that because I wasn't going to say that's where you draw the line. The stabbing. <laughs> Good to know. I'm just saying all of the above. It's just... <laughs> In September of 1970, Grant attacked 17-year-old Joanne Zuloff. He hit her on the head with a stone and then dragged her into the woods where he raped and strangled her. Her nude body was found on September 22nd. Four days after the murder, Grant gave his girlfriend a wristwatch that he had taken from Zuloff's body. Oh, that's disgusting. I hate that. That's, yeah. I mean, it's one thing to keep what they consider. Trophies. Correct. Mm -hmm. But then to hand it out. Right. It's like, you secretly don't know, but I murdered this lady for Correct. I want you to have it. Fucking beyond. Right. And it's like, if she gets caught with it. Right. Then she's going to have to answer for it. Correct. And then that's how she's going to learn you're fucking dirty. How dare. That's just rude. On April 20th, 1971, Grant committed his final murders. So not very many, but his are gruesome. While passing a house, he saw two six-year-old boys, Scott Andrews and Bradley Lyons, playing outside. He threatened the boys with a knife and took them into the woods. He beat them and then stabbed Andrews and strangled Lyons to death. He covered their bodies with leaves and branches. Which I never understand why you do that. That's not hiding them well. Right. Like, put in effort at least. Because, hello, their bodies were found two days later. What was the purpose of this? I, he, just, he just did it to do it. He's just one of those that just enjoys it. You know, I don't understand how he was able to control two, but, I mean, they're sick, so yeah. fear must have been oh, that's a, a massive factor. factor. Oh, yeah. Well, and, you know, here's this. Let's see. This was in 71. So he was 20. Right. So and, I mean, bigger. that's not necessarily something six-year-olds now. I mean, no six-year-old should be exposed to any of well, this no. type of brutality, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think six-year-olds now have a different mentality and understanding of things. Correct. Than in the 1970s, you said? Uh, yeah, 71. Okay. Yeah. So they were found two days later. Investigators found shoe prints, which they made plaster casts of. Because, you know, leaving evidence is always a good thing. Right. Thank you for helping out law enforcement, sir. Right. Thank you for being dumb. On April 28, 1971, search teams found a hunting knife with dried blood near the newest crime scene. The blood stains on the knife matched Scott Andrews' blood type. The knife had the name Tom Evanson engraved on the handle. So Everson was located and interrogated. Everson claimed that he had sold the knife to his friend, Jerry Tiplett. So Triplett was found and also said that he had sold the life to a Jim Monger. This is wild. Monger was found and questioned. He told officers that he lent the knife to Gary Grant. Because that doesn't sound suspicious. Well, I mean, it's so crazy. So here we go. We have this knife. It has the kid's blood on it. It has this name engraved into the handle. They find that dude. He says he sold it to this other dude. That dude says that he sold it to another dude. And then well, that dude says that he loaned it to the killer. This all sounds like they're all in cahoots. That's right? what it really sounds like. 
Like, if I was in law enforcement, I'd be like, these fuckers are fucking with me. Well, and I'm sorry. If I had a knife that had my name engraved on it anywhere, I, I would w- not sell it. Yes! Just for this reason. It's like he's writing his own crime novel fiction. Like, right? could this get any better? Dun, dun, dun. Grant was detained in his trailer on April 30th, 1971. He was unable to provide an alibi for the day of the boys' murders. He first stated that he suffered from amnesia and then burst into tears confessing to the killings. So he was weak. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a little bitch to me, but okay. Correct. The following day, in the presence of his father and his lawyer, Grant confessed to all four murders and explained how they had occurred. Because Renton Police Captain William G. Frazee had illegally installed recording devices in the interrogation room, Grant's lawyers filed a motion to drop all charges against their client in June of 1971, claiming that his constitutional rights had been violated. And did this fly? Nope. June 30th, the appeal was rejected due to the fact that Grant's confession had been previously recorded legally on the day of his arrest. So they got him in the first round. Yep. It, but the second round, I'm, I'm assuming, when they wanted probably a little bit more detail to the scenarios. They set up illegal recording equipment in the interrogation room and almost threw the whole case in the damn trash. Right. I mean, it's as simple as I'm going to record this conversation. Click. Correct. Well, Don't I mean, sneaky, sneaky do it. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So Frazzy was charged with wiretapping and was subsequently suspended from the force. Good. Because you can't be doing dumb things like that and to get blowing, your case thrown out. Right. And blowing, you know, justice. Right? I mean, like, if, so if his confession had been recorded the first interrogation, this whole case might have gone right out the window. Correct. Because of that one mistake. And he would have walked. He would have walked. After he confessed to killing four people. Two of them six-year-old boys. Right. Who I, didn't, I mean, none of these people deserve no. this fate. But, you know, I just, one of the things... That uh, I think it's probably obvious now. We kind of, we don't really focus so much on kids because it's just really hard to, mm-hmm. to stomach, you know, children. Correct. Anyways. Yeah. So his trial began on August 12th, 1971. The main piece of evidence was the audio recording of his confession, the bloodstained knife, and his shoe prints, which the size and tread matched the shoes he was wearing the day of his arrest. A number of acquaintances acted as witnesses for the prosecution, telling the jury that they had seen Grant on the days of the murders near the crime scenes. Grant's lawyers, in turn, insisted on their client's insanity and demanded leniency. I mean, so they were going with that bullshit, he was insane? The same thing that all other defenses always constantly try with serial killers? Oh, he was insane. Mm-hmm. Quit grouping all crazy people together, goddammit. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Well, I mean, there are people who are mentally ill who don't kill, so. Exactly. That's not fair to them. Exactly. That's just rude. Close friends and his father acted as witnesses for the defense, stating that since childhood, Grant was a passive and harmless individual. Okay. Well, you know, that is a good question, though. Did he exhibit behaviors suggesting potential future... Uh, aggression or murderous tendencies i mean not anything that i could really find i mean he had like social anxiety and that kind of stuff when he was younger which but like not like killing animals or hurting no young kids nope nothing like that 
At the request of the defense team, a forensic psychiatrist's exam to evaluate Grant's mental health was conducted. Because of course. He was found to be sane, although it was noted that he was impulsive, had problems controlling himself, and often acted out emotionally in high-stress situations. It was also suggested that the crimes were his way of escapism and used as a way to vent his frustration and unresolved personal issues. Oh, okay. Because, you know, we don't all have those. But we don't all go slicing and murder killing and raping people right. in the woods. You done pissed me off. You're going to die now. We don't have. All right. That's not normal. Like, I'll think about it. And I'll <laughs> imagine it for a minute. But I would never actually do it. Well, you know, I was actually kind of pondering this. You know how sometimes you hear things? Mm-hmm. This is kind of, we're going to get off a little t- tangent here. Sometimes, I, I remember a couple of years ago, I remember reading that it's okay to imagine, yeah, like, certain things happening, mm-hmm. because it helps you alleviate Correct. the anxiety of the situation, or the stress of the situation, mm-hmm. or kind of acknowledging how the reality is out of your control, mm-hmm. but the imagination portion kind of helps you regain some sense of control and not necessarily like when I say control, I don't mean like control, like you have to have control over somebody. I mean, just for your own sense of uh, peace of mind. Correct. I mean, because <sighs> you know, bottling things up is not great. No. I mean, I should take my own advice, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, it kind of sounds like this guy did exactly that. Yeah. Like he had some anger issues and was like, I'm going to kill you now. And I mean, yeah. these people had nothing to do with what she, I mean, the librarian was walking home. Correct. Well, what did she do to piss you off? Nothing. Exactly. It was just an oppor- a crime of opportunity. Oh, yes. So you're sure. just full of shit, yes. basically. Correct. Absolutely. 100%. Right. Um, the other young lady, mm-hmm. what was she, she was 17. What was she doing? She, I don't think, was doing anything either, if I remember correctly. Was she walking home? Uh, I couldn't find any information. He just hit her on the head with a rock and then dragged her into the woods. So basically she was probably cutting through the woods. She was probably doing that or just like walking home or walking to the store. Right. Gonna go hang out with friends, something. Right. And again, another crime of opportunity. It's not, she's, and again, I'm not suggesting on any level you hurt anybody (laughs) who pisses you off. Correct. I... But uh, you know, for him to try to suggest that he's insane, mm-hmm. or he had anger issues, and this is how he vented his anger, you need to focus on the the scenario that kind of pissed you off, correct? And address that, not necessarily hurt other people, correct? Especially not when it's just like wrong place, wrong time for them, right? Or like, you're playing outside, correct, with your friend, yeah, and this weird creeper dude just happens to be walking by, so. Yes. After two days, he was found guilty on all counts and was sentenced to four life imprisonment terms without the chance of parole. He has been imprisoned at various Washington state penitentiaries, and in 2020, he received a second wave of infamy after author Cloyd Strager published a book titled Seattle's Forgotten Serial Killer, Gary Jean Grant. As of December 2020, Grant is alive and serving his sentence at the Monroe Correctional Complex under the ID number 127688. Don't write to him. No. Because, you, and you know what? Let's talk about that for a quick second. Mm-hmm. I don't get that. 
Oh, the whole like pen pal thing with serial killers? Yes. My, so she might be tickled pink. My Aunt Mary, <laughs> who uh, just, so we talk about our shows that we are like, you know, we know this is not oh, yeah. prime time, you know, <laughs> TV. Hers is lockup, letters and lockup, love and lockup. Oh, okay. Do you, are you familiar with it? I think this? I've heard of heard of it. I don't think I've ever watched it, but I've heard of it. Oh, she just is. She just <laughs> eats that. I mean, this lady who's you know survived the Cold War. You know, she's. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give away her age, but yeah, I, I mean, she's seen some things in her life. Correct. But this is the junk that she. <laughs> You know, she's got to like, I, I got, my show's on. I still got to go. My show's on. <laughs> I was like my mom's with, what, what is it they're binge watching now? Like Love at First Sight or some bullshit. Love is Blind? Something like that. Okay. Well, either way, getting back to it. So my aunt is mm-hmm. just, my Aunt Mary is just like, oh my God, this is just <laughs> delicious. <laughs> and I just don't understand the mentality mm-hmm. behind this scenario, I, I don't. Yeah, it, I mean, I I would prefer to be single, fair, and hopefully, you know, right? Yeah, someone who hasn't killed another human <laughs> being. Correct. If they're out there, right? You know? I mean, I would never like write a letter to a serial killer with the hopes of it turning into that. Because I'm on the asexual spectrum anyway, so. But I would want to do it just to pick at their brain. I want right, to and I can see that takes. about you. Like, I could see you reaching out to Manson, Charlie Manson. Oh, absolutely. I would And be like, what the fuck were you thinking? Why? why, why what made you do the things that you did? Well, I, I, I don't <laughs> know if we covered Manson, but I don't think we have. Mm-mm. But I do know a little bit about him. And so we were actually at. The trivia that where the dark oh, yeah, corners yeah. are sponsored, yeah, last or actually two weeks ago, we did not win. By the way, and that was kind of almost. We didn't lose by much, though. Correct. We we came in second. Yes, and the ladies who won, I mean, they, you know, congrats. They kicked Absolutely. their ass, which is great. Yeah, I'm not. Um, you know, I I'm just disappointed that we didn't win because yeah. you know. Well, winning. Right. <laughs> That's a popular thing. It's right. a popular concept. But one of the questions actually was, which serial kill- killer was sold by their mother for a pint of beer? Oh, yeah. And I knew it was Charles Manson. Yeah. And I made the joke that I was worth at least three. Right. <laughs> so, Alex... <laughs> Daisy, <laughs> I know too bad they don't drink anymore. I know. Well, well, I guess Daisy would have to be like, you know, like those like the cubes, like the twenty four pack or whatever of like right. Diet Coke, like three of those. Right. Okay, that's fair. I think Daisy would sell me for that. Right. <laughs> Possible. Possible. <laughs> so, anyways, slightly getting off track, mm-hmm. but again, you know, the you you cannot underestimate trauma of childhood correct occurrences mm-hmm. or experiences it's just some people can process it better mm-hmm. and you know well and a lot of it like especially back then like you know like the 70s 60s that kind of era like families like it wasn't really like a thing that you talked about right there were a lot of hidden things yeah like 
my whole childhood growing up, it was always told, like, you know, you don't talk to people about anything like that. You just kind of keep it to yourself. You deal with it on your own. Right. That kind of thing. Right. And there's no tools. No. For you to even, you know, begin to cope. You know, I and in fact, I think it was at the trivia night when mm-hmm. we got into the discussion about Aerosmith's mm-hmm. Janie's Got a Gun. Yes. And you did not realize what no. that song meant. No, I did not. And so for those of you who aren't familiar with this song, Janie's Got a Gun, The Whole World's Come Undone. Mm-hmm. She, uh, what the song is about is Janie was molested. Mm-hmm. By her stepdad, or I'm assuming it's the stepdad. I think so. And then the stepdad turned his attentions to Janie's little sister. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's what the line is. He tried a little bitty baby. Yeah. Ugh. And that's when Janie was like, you're not going to do this. Mm-hmm. And that's when Janie got a gun. Correct. And would you believe Aerosmith got a huge amount of mail Mm-hmm. from women who had been molested as children, thanking them for bringing this this family-hidden mm-hmm. topic, yeah, not only to the public forum, but, I mean, everybody knows this song now. Yeah, And I sure. think this song, I don't, I don't know what year it came out, mm-hmm. what, what decade it came out, but, I mean, I remember singing it young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... You know, when my mid twenties, I was like, "Wait a minute!" You're wait, wait. Let me look into these lyrics a little bit more. Correct. <laughs> so, basically, again, here we're we're talking about mm-hmm. you know childhood trauma that we're supposed to keep secrets, and I mean, this Charles man, the kid was sold like at three, so I don't even right. know what happened to him. And, I, and I'm not making excuses no, for no, their no. adult behavior Absolutely on any not. level, but. I, that is something. It's a contributing factor. Correct. For sure. And that's exactly what I say. That is something mm-hmm. that is, you know, uh, of concern. Yes. Bad childhood Correct. or horrific childhood trauma mm-hmm. does existential harm to other people who had nothing fucking to do with it. Well, absolutely. And then, like, I was doing a training at my work for a crisis line intervention. And so we were doing training about it. And we were doing, like, childhood development and how the brain develops. And it is crazy how any kind of, like, trauma when you're younger affects the way your brain develops. Like, right. physically affects it. It will actually, if, is, if there is enough trauma, people don't understand this. Mm-hmm. If there's enough trauma, the brain actually stops developing. Correct, at a certain point. Mm-hmm. And you, that person is stuck at that age. Yep. That is why we have a lot of em- low emotionally intelligent people. Correct. Because they had suffered mm-hmm. from trauma. So... You know, a lot of times when we look at somebody who can't handle things, mm-hmm. it's because it's they're 12. Mentally, correct. Right. Like, you know, I'm going to therapy now. I'm in my 30s, going to therapy, working through all the shit from my childhood. And uh, my therapist hasn't officially diagnosed me because she didn't want to narrow it down. But I basically mark every box for borderline personality disorder, which means that there was a part of my brain, I believe it's the frontal lobe, that didn't develop fully. And so I have a hard time with emotion regulation. Right. And so, like I said earlier, like I tend to bottle things. And then one tiny little thing will set me off and it explodes. Right. 
and it's not even necessarily that tiny thing. Correct. And but it's just the but believe up. it or not, that's actually something a lot of women do. Correct. A lot of moms, a lot mm-hmm. of wives. And it's not about what just fucking happened. Correct. It's about the last six months I've kept my mouth shut. Correct. And this just happened to break it. Correct. And like, then it's just... Correct. Yeah. But I'm working on it. You know. Right, right. <laughs> so back to... Uh, Our wild tangent. Gary here. Yes. But yeah, so that's, that is the story of Mr. Gary G. Grant. So unfortunately, he's kind of gotten a little famous yeah. off of this book. Yeah. So yeah, he got a second wave of infamy. After this dude published the book. Okay. All right. Well, (laughs) I just. Yay, tangent. Again. (laughs) Right, right, right. Again, childhood trauma does not excuse. No, not at all. You hurting people, especially the people who had nothing to do. Exactly. With what happened to you. Mm -hmm. All right. So that is what we have for you tonight on to business. Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. Where the Dark Corners Are has a Facebook page. So if you like to share some creepy things, see some creepy things, or give us a place to check out or a serial killer to do, send us a request over to that Facebook page. Well, not only that, you can reach us at the email where the dark corners are dot com at gmail dot com. And I do check it like two or three times a day just to make sure. And so that's an option for you as well. Final thoughts. You know, he only killed four, but the way he killed them was kind of graphic graphic and messed up and just not necessary no absolutely not right all right so until next time please remember only the few can find the beauty in the darkness which is why we hope to meet you where the dark corners are (laughs) 